only four rounds in, but there's drama in the camp. <laughs> there are injuries in the You Can Take Me Now. I have seen it all team. There is no Matt Russell today. He's off somewhere. I think he's like four to six weeks. He's got a little toe injury or something or a pinky. He's, he's tweaked or something. Um, no, Matty will be back next week. He's on assignment, as they say in the classics at the moment. And Lara Pitt is also on assignment because uh, she's filling in. It's all hands too this week at Fox League because that dirty dog, Ben Iken is over there at Augusta National um, co-hosting the Masters coverage on Fox Sports. And I can't wait to see the beautiful images, the azaleas, the dogwood, um, the greens running at 15 on the stint meter. If you know anything about golf, you'll understand what I mean. If you don't know anything about golf, just to disregard all of that. But anyway, I'm filthy that Ben Eichen is in Augusta. I'm happy to be where I am here in the podcast Fox League headquarters. And I'm joined today not by Lara, not by Maddie, but by Phil Pryor, who normally is our producer extraordinaire, but also a budding um, potential commentator across a number of sports. And Phil... It's great to have you on board. Thank you very much, Was. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Take Me Now I Have Seen It All podcast casualty ward is uh, just as full as the real-life NRL one uh, as it stands this week. Uh, and, but I, I must send my, uh, I suppose, commiserate, commiserations back to you because I reckon you'd be pretty jealous of Ben Eichen's gig over the next few oh, weeks. I, I can't begin to tell you. I mean, I, I think it's probably pretty obvious that I'm a golf tragic. Um, I get the chance to play every Wednesday morning at my club at Bonnie Doon here in Sydney. Um, but, you know, I watch everything. I've worked on golf for 20-something years now uh, across uh, both the Australian men's scene, uh, the LPGA Tour in the US. I've yep. done a bunch of events up in Asia on that LPGA Tour for a number of years. Um, and I love it. I'm an absolute tragic, grew into it, uh, I guess, as a sort of teenager and then got into it seriously in my 20s. And, um, yeah, I just can't get out on the golf course enough. Unfortunately, during the footy season, that isn't quite often enough for my liking. But mm. the Masters rolls around. It's a special week because it's such an yeah. iconic championship played at the same venue every year. And that's part of the attraction of it is that you know the holes so well, having mm. seen them. They haven't really ostensibly changed for, you know, decades. They tweak them now, and there's a, the fifth hole this year has been lengthened a little bit. That's, you know, d to do with technology and the way um, the ball travels so much further these days. But waking up on Friday morning to watch the coverage and then the beautiful, you can watch it in 4K this year on Fox Sports. Can't wait to see those pictures, although I haven't got a... A dish. You need a dish for the 4K, don't you? So you have to go out to Bing Lee or Harvey Norman or somewhere and buy a 4K telly and the dish to go with it. I, I I'm not equipped with a with a 4K TV at home just yet. It is. Uh, it's on my uh, agenda. Uh, and speaking of, of, it's on my bucket list to attend the Masters one day. That, oh yeah, me. That is for sure. I've yeah. spoken to my old man about it. I reckon him and I are going to have to go over at some point. I, I sort of I picked up some of the. Um, the famous American broadcaster, Bill Simmons. Mm -hmm. He went last year and reported everything that happened over there and it just sounds like leave your phone at the door, um, go in there and, and just in, enjoy the day. It sounds like an, 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 an absolute uh, one-off event um, that everyone needs to tick off at some point if you're a casual golfing fan like myself and, you know, only, only get the chance to play a couple of times a year or whether or not or whether you play every week like your fine self. Yeah, uh, you know, I get asked all the time, have you been, you, obviously you've been to the, the Masters at Augusta. I'm like, no, I've never been 
to Augusta because it's in the middle of the football season. And yeah. I guess whatever I'm calling footy, it might be hard to get over there. Although Ben Eichert, as I've mentioned, has found a way to skip class for NRL 360, which means Yvonne Sampson's filling in for Ben and our own Lara Pitt is filling in for Vonnie on the Big League Wrap mm. on Monday night. So if you're listening to this uh, this afternoon on Monday, the 8th of April, uh, later on tonight at 7.30, you'll be able to see Lara and the crew, McEnnis and company, on the Big League Wrap. There and was look, so much and look out on the, on the website later in the week because we've got uh, Warren Smith, Daniel Garb and Paul Gow, who's also over in the States right now, ready for the Masters action. They're doing a one-off uh, Masters preview podcast for us. So make sure you ch- uh, head to the Fox Sports website uh, later in the week to find that or you can probably just head straight to Warren Smith's Twitter uh, and he'll be all across that. <laughs> yeah, that should be interesting chat with, uh, with Daniel Garb, who um, football fans and just fans of Fox Sports will know who's right across the, uh, the football scene. Um, mad golfer as well. Uh, yep. Very keen to have a chat about the Masters and we'll speak to Gowie who is over there uh, once again soaking it all up and getting ready, getting prepped, talking to everybody, talking to the Aussies. Great to have Gowie there to have that connection with the Australians there playing this year. And wouldn't it be great to see Adam Scott do it once again or Mark Leishman step up, Jason Day if he's back holds together. Um, it'll be terrific to see an Aussie break through for a second win at Augusta. Might be time to talk a little bit of footy after all <laughs> the golf do, chat. <laughs> let's um, do that. Last night I was up there in Newcastle and it was a very tough game to pick. We were sitting in the com box myself, Brandy, Danny Badiris, Knights legend obviously, um, talking about what we might see in that game last night. We were saying, look, it's a really tough game mm. to pick both teams, one win, two losses, and it turned out that way. You couldn't separate them after 80 minutes, and it took until the 88th minute, I think it was, and Corey Norman did it once again. Back-to-back weeks, that is remarkable. Mm. He kicks the winning field goal against the Brisbane Broncos and then does it again last night, having missed a couple of attempts. Mitchell Pearce had a couple of attempts. I'll say Mitchell in, I mean, kicked the, the field goal last year in round one in his first game as a, a Newcastle Knight That's to right. beat the Seagulls up there. Kicked a memorable one to um, beat the Melbourne Storm as a rooster. Uh, two seasons ago in 2017, a game I called in Adelaide, Adelaide Oval yep. um, from wide out, probably you know, 38 metres out or so. It was a terrific kick. But apart from that, Mitchell, over the course of his career, isn't renowned mm. as a, a sharp shooter when it comes to field goal kicking. Had a couple of pretty decent attempts last night. Missed one narrowly to the right-hand side, which would have won the game um, for Newcastle. But you just figured the more chances Corey Norman got that eventually he was going to slot one over, which he did. And it was a pretty tough attempt. Like the ball, he would have preferred the ball coming from his left-hand side and so he could move into it with the, with the momentum of the pass and just drop it onto his left foot. He had to instead catch the ball on his right-hand side, swing the ball across his body, and he took a couple of little steps just to get settled yep. to get that rhythm moving into the ball with his left foot and then struck it beautifully yeah, once yeah. he hit it. And it, it, the three... Field goals that won games over the weekend in Golden Point. Nathan Cleary's first off on Friday night. A cracking strike of the ball from just inside 40 metres. Daly Cherry Evans. What a strike of the ball that was Mm. to beat the Rabbitohs on Saturday at Brookvale. And then Corey Norman again from 40 metres out. A terrific kick. And, you know, I, I don't think we saw the quality of striking whether this Golden Point has dictated that players take more field goal attempts these days, and maybe by virtue of that, practice more at training. I saw uh, Luke Brooks practicing field goal attempts from sort of pretty much in front, 30, 35 metres out, 
at Concord Oval on Thursday morning at the Tigers' captain's run, and there you are in the game. He gets a chance. Yeah. Couldn't slot one. Mm. It's a different scenario when it, the pressure is on and, and you've got you know players charging out of the line at you. So those kicks by Cleary, by DCE and Corey Norman, um, just tremendous to see. Yeah, and I, th- I think you mentioned it just then was that the thing about this is now the fact that teams are actually spending time at their captain's run uh, to prep for these scenarios. First of all, teams find themselves in these scenarios all too often uh, in the modern game, which uh, makes for interesting viewing, uh, obvious, quite obviously, late uh, in games as footy fans uh, watching on. But but it also sort of, it, it begs a question which Matty Ryan, uh, sorry, Ma- uh, Matty Russell has sent in to us. Who would you want kicking for your life in terms of field goal kicking at the death? Because as you mentioned uh, just then, Daly Cherry Evans, his name would have to pop up the way he can slot him on his right and his left boot. Uh, Corey Norman stepped up a couple of weeks in a row. Nathan Cleary hasn't had too many opportunities, obviously in a young career so far to to prove what he can do uh, in terms of field goal kicking. I, I must admit his bullet from 40 out on Thursday night wasn't exactly an end over end, uh, you know, flight through the air, it must be said. Um, what what would your, what's your instincts telling you there was? Uh, I'm probably going to lean to somebody who's played more games in the NRL than anybody else ever has, Cameron Smith. Because mm. to my memory, I can just think of so many times where Cameron has snapped winning field goals. And I can't think of him sort of missing too many that counted. And that may well just be the fact that he knows how to set it up, how to work his players forward to get himself into position and with the timing and the rhythm of it all because it's such a such a timing thing. Pass has got to be good. Got to have the right distance between yourself and the chasers coming forward. And Cameron Smith, you know, the maestro that he is, does it as well or probably better than anybody else to my way of thinking. And I just can't think of him missing too many that mattered. Mm. And I think Cameron... You know, well, he's done it all in the game. I, if if it were, my life was on it, I would say hand it to another Smith, Cameron. <laughs> please save me. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Daily Cherry Evans because obviously a big part of kicking a field goal uh, is all the other factors around you. It, it's the other team chasing towards you. Um, how's the service out of dummy half? And the fact that DCE can go on both feet depending on where that rush is coming from uh, gives me a lot of confidence and, and he, he has that uh, sort of extra little piece of artil- artillery at his disposal, the fact that he can go on either side uh, uh, of his body. Um, and he strikes him pretty well off his left as well. He's got that process down pat, it seems. He, yep. he, when he does kick a field goal, he seems to be extremely balanced. Um, so I'm, I, and I, I believe I heard a stat from the Triple M team yesterday, yesterday on the radio that uh, DCE has iced more Golden Point games than any other player in, in, since Golden Points uh, come into the NRL as well. Yeah, five. Mm. Five times he's won games off his own boot in Golden Point with field goals. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I think between those two, we'd be in pretty good hands or feet, uh, Cameron Smith <laughs> and also Daly Cherry Evans. Um, the Newcastle Knights is going back to that game last night to wrap up the thoughts there. Um, Mitchell Pearce had those chances at the end of the game. As far as the Knights are concerned, they're disappointing, aren't they? They're one win and three losses now. There's a lot of expectation on them before the season began. Kalen Ponga back in his rightful position at fullback. 
and made such a difference to them, quite obviously on that left-hand side of the field where he served up those great passes yeah. for Edric Lee to score the first try, Heimel Hunt to score the second try. And it, when he times it right and just runs to the line and just you know threatens to go through himself, sucks in the defence. He, he, he just put defenders through yeah. at will, it seems, at times. And I was certain he was going to do it in the second half to win the game for them. It didn't pan out that way. But they're a team... They're not a one-man team, but without him, I mean, they've scored, um, they've now scored 50 points. The 12 last night makes it 50 points through four games for the season, which is only two points more than their all-time low as a club, which came through four games. They'd only scored 48 points back in 1993, Mm. 26 years ago. Wow. That's how long it is since the Knights have scored so few points (laughs) through the first month of the season. Um, They've got real issues... And there's a number of reasons why they do. Um, the forward pack isn't performing as well as it should be. Um, yeah. They didn't have James Gavitt last night. And, and something that gets overlooked a little bit as well, um, until you lose a winger, um, such as a Blake Ferguson, or the Roosters have got some handy replacements, obviously, <laughs> at Bondi Junction. But, you know, Semirad Radra, when he left the Eels, they weren't the same side last year. They have now got Blake Ferguson. They're playing a lot better. And what Blake Ferguson does in those early plays coming out of their own end in trouble gets their set on the front foot and they can make some good metres to get themselves out of trouble. Um, Sean Kenny Dow also was very good at that in his time at the Roosters and when he moved to the Newcastle Knights. But just anecdotally, I don't have some hard and fast numbers to back it up. The numbers may well prove me wrong. It just seems as though he isn't as effective as he once was for the Newcastle Knights coming mm. out of trouble and they, their sets just aren't a couple of, well, more than a couple of times against the Dragons last night. They really struggled to move the ball forward and especially when they needed to, when they were looking for a field goal in Golden Point, a couple of sets were just diabolically bad given it was, you know, a pretty simple task. We need to get some good carries here, a legs tackle, fast play the ball, do it again to get ourselves down there 30, 35 metres out so we can potentially win the game and they battled to do that, and to my way of thinking, Sean Kenny Dow isn't really offering a lot. And Edric Lee, on the other side of the field, is known as a real finisher. Yeah. Obviously, he can be good under the high ball. But I hark back to a, a conversation I had when he was at the Sharks talking to Shane Flanagan one day at Sharks training. And Edric had been signed from the Raiders for that season. And, you know, I was talking to Shane about Edric Lee, and he said, Look, he's not really my type of winger. He wasn't, you know, talking him down. He's saying, like, normally I prefer... You know, those bullocking, that's a Siafeki type who can just, again, do those hard yards, beat Mansour. a tackle. A Josh Mansour type. That's, that is Shane yeah. Flanagan's yeah. type of winger. And he said Edric Lee isn't really that style of player. And I think we see that with the Newcastle Knights. While he is a good finisher, he doesn't really give you those bustling hard 15 metres beating a couple of defenders on play two or getting a, a fast play the ball off the back of a carry, yeah. as Blake Ferguson does, as Josh Mansour does, as Josiah Thickey does for the Sharks as well. So, I'd have, um, Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Uh, uh, Kenny Mamalo is another good example of, yep. a, of a young winger that, that really offers good carry out of the back half, and that's my f- favourite type of winger as well. I, I think that uh, being a winger in the NRL, the non-negotiables are being able to finish 
uh, in the in the opposition's red zone, and it's being able to to carry and roll up the sleeves uh, on kick returns and um, relieve some pressure off your fullback. Um, you know, as far as bringing the ball back is concerned. So I'd have to agree with you, you there was, and and also on the nights, it it, it is hard to believe that. The big criticism of them right now is their go forward because heading into the season, I would have probably had the Knights alongside the Cowboys as far as uh, who has the most really uh, talented middle forwards, um, you know, guys with the ability uh, to roll up the sleeves and give you tough carries up through the middle bend the defensive line backwards, uh, you know, land on your front and get a quick play the ball together. They've obviously recruited to do so with Dave Clemmer and, and Tim Glasby coming to the club as well. You've got guys like Herman SASA struggling to get a game. Dan Saifidi obviously started uh, the season a bit injured, uh, came back off the bench yesterday. So it is a little bit baffling that that is one area that the Knights are struggling. But I must admit I'm a little bit more optimistic um, in – than, than probably a lot of other people in terms of... I, I reckon there's a, a pretty clear identity that Nathan Brown and this Newcastle side are trying to build towards this year and they're very happy to be in the grind, quite evidently. The attack certainly has not come yet. It has not clicked one bit. But I think that they believe uh, that if they can get into a grind in a football game, um, you know, keep the other team sort of reasonably low scoring, uh, let the process take care of itself uh, and then get the job done in the second half. The problem is Mitchell Pearce, as we know, has his flaws in terms of closing out games. He's got that reputation quite obviously from origin, um, being unable to to go with Cooper Cronk late in uh, in games in the origin arena. And yesterday was a prime example of the fact that if the Knights do want to be that team where they can grind it out and, and um, play off the back of, of big, strong, hard-running forwards, they need that polish. And maybe that's where the questions are, g- are going to start to be asked more frequently. Yeah, they've got a couple of big weeks coming up. Um, they're playing again at home this week. So that'll be four out of five um, the start of the season at home, which is quite remarkable. It's a sort of a quirk of the draw. Um, they've got the Sea Eagles, then they've got the Gold Coast away, then they have the Eels again at home. That'll be five of their first seven wow. games at home. So they need, to, they need to win both those home games and possibly possibly the one against the Titans who are battling at the bottom of the ladder to really get their season kick-started. They need to be two, two wins and one loss out of their next three games. However that happens... If that's the case, um, there'll be three wins, four losses going into, you know, the second part or the middle sort of third of the season, and you know, they can build from there. But if they if they drop two or three of those games, then their season might be over before it began. And there's, you know, there's some teams in the same boat because it's turned the page all the way back to last Thursday night at the much-talked-about SCG <laughs> uh, where the Sydney Roosters gave the Broncos a bit of a lesson there. The Broncos, one win and three losses now. What about this for their games coming up this week? They're at home against the West Tigers. Then they're on the road against the Raiders. Then they're at home against the Sharks. Then they're on the road against the Rabbitohs. The way they're playing at the moment... Yeah, the t- the away games in particular against the Raiders and South, they'll be super tough. The game against the Sharks, albeit the Sharks were beaten by the Eels, but they'll get a couple of players back potentially from injury uh, in the next couple of weeks. But that's a tough game at home. And then the Tigers, they have to beat the Tigers this week. It's not a must. It won't end their season, but 
if there'd be any any sort of chance, and to stop the talking, because mm. there's so much chatter now about the halves. Nickarima and Milford have had more than a few chances to show what they can do, and they just haven't proven that they are the the options. Or well, certainly not as a partnership. And Cody Nickarima just can't find a way to get himself into the game regularly enough for the Brisbane Broncos. He doesn't get enough touches. Anthony Milford is the dominant half there. He touches the ball more at first receiver. It's a very unconventional role that Cody Nicarima plays as a number seven for the Brisbane Broncos. Darius Boyd, let's be frank, is half the player he once was. Yeah, yeah. He's not the threat with the ball in his hands that he once was. And defensively, it's not just, you know, what happened against the Roosters, um, which has been much talked about over the past 48 hours um, for that game at the SCG. You go back the past two or three weeks and he has had misses similar to the ones where he hasn't really committed to himself to the ball carrier. He's been happy to try and take a miracle intercept as opposed to going to the the man and forcing the pass and making them just pass that one more pass to score the try. Um, There are some issues... Up there, they've got a young forward pack. I think there'll be, there'll be some outstanding players come out of it. But at the moment, they are battling. Um, and Tavita Pangai Jr., uh, the talk of him being a $1 million player, that has just disappeared <laughs> like a puff of smoke <laughs> overnight. That that yeah. story was thrown out there and then his form over the past couple of weeks has just shot that out of the skies because, um, you know, he's going to miss... Uh, a couple of weeks now, is it for the suspension? Yeah, yeah. He's taken or one week. He's taken the early plea, so no, it'll be two it'll weeks be two for that. Weeks. For that shot on Cooper Cronk, which is just not tough football, unfortunately. And and Pangai can learn a hard lesson over the next two weeks. In saying that, maybe it, it'll be good for his hammy. I know after his first stint on Thursday night at the SCG, he was getting uh, some pretty demanding uh, rubbing on the sidelines on that hammy, which obviously uh, he missed uh, the start of the year with. Um, but uh, or, or the at least the preseason, but it, the the real concern with the Broncos was uh, is the fact that they don't have that dominant chief playmaker, facilitator, quarterback. Call it what you like, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a half. You know, you look at a team like the Raiders who are flying, and Josh Hodgson has his fingerprints on everything that happens uh, with the ball in hand. As far as that is concerned, you look at a team like the Broncos. Darius Boyd, as you said, is not the player he once was, and he is not the player that that, uh, that seems to be taking control of where this offence is headed, where, where are their sets headed as they move the ball downfield. Milford and Nicarima are too similar as halves, and I don't think either of those have shown that they're capable of being that dominant um, playmaker, director uh, uh, type player. And Andrew McCulloch is a very solid player without being that sort of Cameron Smith, Josh Hodgson style uh, hooker as well. So unfortunately, Anthony Seabold is working with um, with a, a number of decent quality spine players, but not uh, players that have the ability to turn up, you know, later on in games uh, and make sure that the team is going where it needs to go. Mm. Yeah, they've got uh, issues up there. And as I said, with that month they've got ahead of them, the Tigers, the Raiders... Sharks and the Rabbitohs, they have some work to do and they need to do it pretty quickly because if they say they go one and three again, as they've just done with their first four games, if they replicate that, they'll be two and six after the first two months of the season and there will be massive alarm bells ringing um, up there in the River City. Um, Of the other games over the weekend, uh, I'll go to the Panthers and the Tigers, a game that I called on Friday night out there at Panthers Stadium. 
And again, it was a tough. That one was to a line tough. Up. That was a tough job for you, by the way. It wasn't. You know what? It was a pretty. It was an awful game. Let's yeah. let's be frank. It was a terrible game of footy, saved by the ending. Yes. And the ending was great. Yeah. The yeah. kick from the sideline, um, which you sort of just always figured that Nathan Cleary was going to kick that. You just it was such a good striker of the mm. ball, and you thought, ah, oh, you know, and he's got lots of poise. He's pretty cool for a young bloke. So much pressure on him. All the talk about. What's happening at Penrith, his dad, his relationship with his dad as a son and also as a player coach situation. It's pretty remarkable. It's not um, not unique, but it is remarkable. Um, and I just always had it in the back of my head he was going to kick that, but that sent them the golden point and he does it again with the 40-metre field goal. But um, when I look at the Panthers, they lost Matt Moylan 18 months ago Yeah, the Sharks. They lost Tyrone Peachy six months ago at the end of last season, and it looks like they've lost them. They haven't. They haven't been able to replace uh, them. Well, they, I'll tell you miss, who they're else, missing that brilliance. And I'll tell you who else who else they've lost in that time period. Peter Wallace. Yep. Who was able to give them uh, that leadership out of dummy half? Um, he was able to to guide those uh, young halves, uh, you know, through uh, through I suppose those moments where where someone needed to step up um, and. They, they, the Panthers look really similar to the the same Panthers we've witnessed over the last couple of years, where some way, somehow they are two out of four. They've, you know, they've strung a couple of wins together. You know, continuing on on uh, on that kind of form, they'll probably edge their way in, into the bottom of the eight. Um, but then they they won't be able to show us that improvement necessary to really uh, take it to the top four teams. Yeah, they. Um they just yeah, just they can run through those plays, all those block plays, and um, whether it's Maloney to Cleary or Cleary to Maloney. Um, again, Maloney tends to be the first receiver a lot with Cleary playing outside him at the moment. They've swapped sides of the fields to what they've normally played over the last uh, twelve months. But they could I, I, they could run those blindfolded those plays, yeah. And you just and but nothing's going to ever happen because teams defend too well these days mm. and tries. We're talking about tries being down in back in round one before a ball was kicked and how the, the pattern has gone, you know, the last five seasons. Tries have be, um, become fewer and fewer. Again, this year, yeah. they're on pace to be fewer than last year, about 50 fewer than last year. There's about two tries per round less than is being scored last year. And last year was a, a record low in the last, you know, 15, well, probably back 20-plus years. Yeah. Um, so defences are so good that you need to offer something more. And the Panthers, without Matt Moylan, without that Tyrone Peachy, you know, either whether he's playing at centre or coming off the bench as he played that role for them over a couple of seasons as well. Um, that spark at the back end of a game when we saw, saw them win so many games at the back end having got themselves into trouble. Well, they can't score those tries at the moment because those players are no longer there. And you mentioned Wallace, of course, who was so good a couple of seasons ago when he was working with those younger players coming through. So the Panthers have work to do. I don't see how they have a lot of points. Kick out coming back will help them, but I can't see them suddenly scoring 25 points a game unless something dramatic happens because it's just not there at the moment. And the same with the Tigers. Yeah. Tigers sort of iced that game long before it got to Nathan Cleary's attempt from the sideline to make it eight points all. Um, they also don't have a lot of points in them. That's what it, the t- that's what baffled me in this in this ball game was because one thing that uh, we we have become accustomed to knowing is that a Michael Maguire team is going to be a, f- a, a fit team uh, and ask any of the Tigers and they'll tell you that 
they went through a rigorous preseason, nothing like they've they've uh, they're used to, uh, and and the fact that that Tigers team, time and again, just failed to concentrate and get to the end of their set of six, play field position, and they kept coughing it up. It was as if their minds just weren't on the job, and and that's what invited the Panthers back into the ball game, obviously, and you just would have thought that a fit well-oiled team like the Tigers, well-coached and very, very fit, would have been able to remain switched on late in that ball game and, and do what was needed to do to, to finish it off. Yeah, they had chances to uh, finish that one well before it got to uh, the 80th minute, as it turns out. Um, the Seagulls were tremendous, given that Tom Travojevic yeah. re-injures the hammy and will be missing for maybe as as many as much as two months. You might miss eight to nine weeks of action, which will um, go into, potentially, if that's the case, if it, tends to, it turns out to be that severe, um, and that's the earlier reports coming out of Brookvale, that it'll mean it has implications for New South Wales as well. He won't, wouldn't be available for Game 1 of the Origin Series. And trust me, talking to Danny Badiris and Greg Alexander in Newcastle yesterday, they were very aware of that the moment yeah. it happened. Their thoughts were, wow, that's bad for Tommy, bad for Manly and bad for us as part of the coaching setup yep. with Brad yep. Fittler for New South Wales. For wait the wait for that, uh, the Ferguson Origin campaign to, to start ramping well, up now. It, that certainly helped his cause. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about that. Tom Travojevic being unavailable for Origin 1 and Blake Ferguson maintains the form that he's been in. Mm. No question he comes into the mix. Um, they were tremendous. What an effort to hang on and beat the Rabbitohs and iced off, of course, by Daly Cherry Evans. And then also the Bulldogs, while they went down to the storm yesterday afternoon, I'll admit I haven't seen much of that game as yet because we were getting ready for our game up there in Newcastle. I saw a couple of snippets this morning, the highlights, but I haven't seen the full game as yet. I'll have a look at that uh, probably tomorrow. But, you know, what an effort to go down there. Everyone was talking about Cameron Smith and how it was going to be just the Cameron Smith show and he'll break the record and um, there'll be, be a lap around the ground afterwards or whatever else and it'll just be another milestone for Cameron and the Melbourne Storm. Well, the Bulldogs had other ideas yeah. and really took it to them. And, you know, there's a kick again from the sideline uh, for Reese Martin at the back end of the game. Could have sent that one to Golden Point potentially yeah. as well. So um, a tremendous – what a turnaround from the first two weeks where they were just flat-out awful in losing to the Warriors and the Eels, conceding 76 points. Then they come out and do a job on the Tigers uh, a week and a bit ago at Campbelltown, then almost get away with one against Melbourne, who had looked like almost in a league of their own, maybe a league with them and the Roosters over the first three weeks of the season. Uh, the signing, the re-signing of Dean Pay, what a master stroke, eh? Yeah, and I, and I think not, uh, it goes to show that not much... Uh, is is better in terms of being able to gel a team than everyone on the outside completely writing you off. <laughs> it just seems to give give a, a side that real opportunity to, to galvanise, I suppose. And and they've yeah they've certainly shown up the last couple of weeks. And also the other team we haven't mentioned much of today, but the Eels against the Sharks, great win as the third game on Super Saturday. Uh, three wins from four games now. Wins against the Panthers, the Bulldogs. And uh, and the Sharks, that lost to the Roosters. They were in it up until about the 60th minute until the Roosters put the foot down. Cracking game coming up. 
in the Sunday night slot as the final game of round five this weekend down there in Canberra. The Warren Smith slot. The Warren Smith slot, the one I've been pushing for hard. I want Sunday nights every week of the season. <laughs> um, the Raiders now three wins and one loss from their four games. The yep. Eels, same record. Uh, two teams on the rise, two teams uh, coming from the bottom half of the top eight, looking like they are top eight um, potential teams this year and also maybe premiership contenders, who knows. Yeah. But what a game to round out round five. Can't wait for that one from down there in Canberra. That'll be a beauty. It will be. It, I must admit, was I, I, I don't agree with you in terms of the, the Sunday night slot. What? Yeah, you're I know. joking. I, I think it depends on the, on the on the family culture or the you know uh, your, your home culture. Uh, and I suppose by the time a Sunday night rolls around, uh, I just I find it hard to to convince the misses that the sport can remain on the TV in in, <laughs> in the background. So you need a supporting family or or, or other half uh, with you that's yeah. that's still up for, for footy by the time Sunday night rolls around. Well, I'm fortunate I have that because <laughs> in the Smith household, uh, ever since it's been a household, it's ever since it went from just me to um, suddenly being married to, to, to Janine and then having the kids, all they've ever known is sport pretty much that, you know, if there was an old-fashioned TV and you still had knobs on the TV, they would be glued on the Fox Sports <laughs> channels and quite obviously Fox League uh, during the footy season because we watch an awful lot of sport. My, my girlfriend's very supportive, but... But 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 there's a, there's a limit there's a and the, I've got to find that strike that balance at home as well that's for sure. <laughs> all right, let's uh, it, it, looking ahead and all the sports viewing I'll be watching uh, this week and the family will be um, sitting beside me as well. Watching. Hold on, before we look ahead, I, I do I do have one more thing I wanted to touch on quickly was yes yesterday afternoon my old man and myself we went down to North Sydney Oval. Oh, stop it! We went down to Old Bears Day. Uh, down at North Sydney Oval. Cracking day for it too. It was summer. On the, it was actually, we went and bought our first beer um, just after kickoff on the hill mm-hmm. and it was too hot to actually stay there. Really? Yeah. Well, at Newcastle it was 33 degrees when I jumped out of the car at around about 3.30. Yeah, it was a it was degrees. it was perfect NRL uh, or rugby league, I should say, viewing where the the North Sydney Bears, obviously in the in the Canterbury Cup, they took on. Uh, speaking of the Bulldogs, uh, mm-hmm. the the premiers last year um, in that competition. By the way, obviously it's the Roosters. Yes, um, players that Formerly are Rabbitohs now. The Roosters, uh, yeah, feeder the, team. the feeder team. So uh, saw both the Lamb guy, uh, boys go around in the halves for the Bears. Um, so we had the likes of Greg Florimo and David Perry, uh, who were in charge of the North Sydney Bears down there as well. Uh, it was a great day. Dad and I both had our, our red and our black on. Uh, proud three thousand fans there. Good stuff. So it was yeah, it was a really good turnout. The Bears turned it on. They beat the Bulldogs 42-0. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, and the Roosters have a left edge who will not be playing uh, reserve grade for too much longer. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name. It's Satili Tuponiua. <laughs> he was outstanding. He played 80 minutes. He ran incredible lines. He did that so well. Um, he did. He played uh, – he scored a try in the 70th minute, which was the Bears – uh, seventh and, and or eighth try, sorry, uh, against the Bulldogs who were uh, kept scoreless in that game. But I'll tell you what, the Roosters have some uh, some players uh, backing them up in reserve grade this year as well, which is a scary thought. But it was really nice to see footy back down there. And in in the 
I suppose to bring it back to a, an NRL context, the fact that the Roosters continue to be playing games at the SCG, we had a, a serious knee injury occur there yesterday in the A-League, I believe. Uh, we're going to continue to be bombarded by stories around the fact that they're playing games at the SCG all year, as are the Swans, uh, as are the Sydney FC, and mm-hmm. until that A-League season wraps up. They should really consider trying to take a few of these games down in North Sydney Oval, um, which is just a cracking venue to watch rugby league from. Maybe they can arrange it so that they've got the Bears playing first so that they can get that, um, that North Sydney rugby league community to go and watch some games feeding into the Roosters, taking on one of those uh, or a few of those interstate teams, you know, the Melbournes yep. or the Cowboys. For sure. Where they're not going to get a lot of those fans to the SCG anyway. Is the surface there better than the SCG? It, uh, well, I... I haven't been – I actually walked onto the SCG uh, last week when I was covering an, an AFL game there when the Swans took on Adelaide on a Friday night. It looks fine um, for most of it right around it, but the, the, the big rectangular pitch in the middle where they've got the, uh, the, the soccer playing, and I'm not, I haven't been to a league game there yet, so I'm not sure if that's the same direction that they've got the, the rugby league, league games going as well, which actually seems to be running east – East to west, or as opposed to uh, South. Paddington to Randwick, yes, which would make more sense. That's where the, the AFL goals are. Yes, um, it, it, that that rectangular patch along the middle it looks very discoloured compared to the rest of the of the oval. The cricket pitch area is very firm underneath because it's a cricket pitch, quite obviously. Yeah. So it's a different density, the soil underneath there to, as you say, the surrounding, so inside the 20s or inside the 30-metre line at either end of the field. But the cricket pitch area, uh, and it only takes a little bit of rain, it gets super slippery. It does, yeah. It's, it's, it's ordinary. So, you know, uh, there's the, no, and there the other- is no solution there other than just taking games away from it because any time it rains especially, it, it's better when it's dry and it's all a bit more solid. But the moment it rains, given how hard it is, yeah. the soil on top, um, just see there's there's a lack of grass cover on that centre wicket area compared to the rest of the ground. And it's it must be such a change running and suddenly you're on the, the, the normal cooch or overseeded rye grass on the main part of the field and then you get to the cricket pitch area it's not a great step up. It's not as steep as it used to be at one stage of the SCG, but it's still a rise up, and then you're on a different, a different type of surface again. Yeah, yeah. And you see players slip over all the well, time. And, so. and if and we'll we'll have to wrap it up. But it, but if you have seen any nighttime Swans games at the SCG, it is immensely slippery. And one of the reasons is the Noble Stand is so big uh, that it actually blocks a lot of the sun through the day. Yep. And I've spoken to the curator out there um, previously and and that is a, an, an ongoing concern at the SCG, the fact that it just doesn't get enough sun cover to actually dry it out during the day. So it's always wet. Yeah, yeah, that is an issue and that will be much talked about in the weeks ahead. The Swans play there this Thursday night yeah. as well, so there'll be more issues coming out of that, no doubt. Um, I'll quickly run through the round five games. Broncos and Tigers on Thursday night. My thoughts for what they're worth. If you've been following our tips, you're probably doing really poorly if you have been, <laughs> but here they go anyway. I think the Broncos, um, there'll be plenty of talk about them this week. They will find something and the Tigers aren't offering a lot in attack for mine at the moment. I think the Broncos will be able to get the uh, the points up there. Uh, Titans and Panthers. Um, the Panthers having snuck home against the Tigers. I think they'll take a little bit out of that, the Titans, until they win 
you can't tip the Titans unless you're a, a diehard Gold Coast Titan fan. So I think the Panthers on Friday night. Cowboys and Storm. Cowboys are battling for the, some of the reasons we, we touched on before. Their forward pack not aiming up and they have um, a lack of points in their team as well. So the Storm, you would think, um, will come up there, go up to Townsville on Friday night, get the cash. Saturday, the Rabbitohs and the Warriors. Uh, Rabbitohs take them at home. Oh, in fact, this one's at the Sunshine Coast Stadium. Oh. up on the Sunshine Coast with one of the games that the Rabbitohs take on the road each year. So I think the Rabbitohs up there will bounce back and return to the winner's list. Yep. Knights against the Seagulls. Um, if Tom Travojevic was fit and playing, I would tip the Seagulls. I just think the Knights um, will find a way to get their season reignited. Um, it may not be pretty, but I think they'll just scrape home in, a, in maybe a, a low-scoring dour affair. We saw a few of those yeah. over the weekend, <laughs> We've didn't we? have seen a few in 2019. We have. Uh, the Sharks and the Roosters, uh, big game for the Sharks, but the Roosters are just in irresistible form at the moment. Yeah. Uh, they just yeah. keep on keeping on. I think they'll get the cash in that one at Shark Park. I'm calling that one on um, Saturday. I'm also calling the Dragons and the Bulldogs out at Jubilee on Sunday, which uh, is a fascinating game now. Mm. Corey Norman, can he? Can they go to Golden Point again or can he <laughs> kick a field goal and make it a hat-trick of field goals? And they might need to against the Bulldogs, who are playing pretty well, but they just exactly. keep getting injuries. Yeah. Foran's out. Yeah. Dylan Napa out of action now for some time as well. So it'll be tough for the Bulldogs to maintain the rage that they've showed uh, pretty well over the past couple of weeks. I think the Dragons might get that one at home. Hopefully a big crowd. Dragons, Bulldogs. Yeah. Their neighbours um, should be a... You know, talk about the, the local rivalry rivalry between the Dragons and the Sharks, but the Dragons-Bulldogs, pretty good rivalry as well over the years, going back to the, the 70s and the 80s as well. And the Raiders and the Eels in that final game down there on Sunday night... I'd say the Raiders at home. Again, with a big crowd, let's hope, at GIO Stadium to see them go around against Parramatta. That's a blockbuster. And you'll see it live, of course, on Channel 502. And maybe it might be in 4K as well, that one, potentially. I'm not sure. But if it is, it's Channel 444 for the 4K. Um, so uh, fascinating round of games coming up this weekend. Hey, thanks for filling in and, and jumping in. No worries, Was uh, It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, I hope uh, Lara Pitt isn't too stressed heading into um, heading into a big night, of, of course. I saw her that running around be before. She had to, she was uh, just finishing try time and then ducking into uh, uh, agenda meetings for for, Beautiful. for the Monday night show. So uh, good luck to her and I hope Maddie's enjoying his time off. Yes, enjoy it Maddie. We will see you next week. But until then, that is, you can take me now. I have seen it all.